0: It's the Hella me Podcast. Oh, that's easier to say, Hella me if I go from Meh. The Hella me Podcast. Oh yeah, that uh, I have to say it that way from now on. It's the Hella me Podcast. And I'm your glorious host, the original, the best looking Nick Carter there is. And I'm here to say some shit I just beat Ganon in Tears of the Kingdom the Zelda game I waited two years to get that game after playing the last Zelda game I will I will say that it's the best fucking video game ever so there's that and uh, I I killed Ganon so fuck that guy (sighs) And that's that. All right, now I got time to uh, to podcast again. So here I am. I'm gonna drink my water. <clears throat> I sang karaoke last night. It's Little Shop of Horrors time. the, the theater, the theater that uh, that uh, that my family is involved with. They're doing Little Shop of Horrors next year, and I was volunteered to do sets. And sets involves the plant, so I'm mildly terrified of having to make the plant. Um, but it's a it's a my f- my favorite play, my favorite musical. Well, maybe maybe second after Book of Mormon, which I'm going to see Book of Mormon soon for the second time. I'm excited about that, fuckers. But uh, I sang, I sang. Um, what I sang. I sang Grow For Me last night at karaoke because it was Broadway night at karaoke and they didn't have Spongebob the musical so I couldn't sing the song I wanted to sing from that so fuck that so I sang I sang Grow For Me from Little Shop of Horrors I I don't know if I have mentioned this in college I played bass guitar for the live band for a collegiate run of that show so it has a very soft spot in my heart and not just because the songs are catchy as fuck but anyway uh maybe i'll i'll sneak a lot of little shop of horror stuff into my podcast as we go (sighs) let's see let's see i did some traveling went to washington dc tried to record a podcast in the shadow of the uh, uh capital, where Congress works. And I brought my high-end recorder, but no good microphones and nothing to... No wind socks, so it didn't... It just sounded like... Which was lame as fuck. So I didn't record anything. I did... I did figure out how all our history applies to today in a very... Poetic and satisfying way. I was ready to talk about all of that and maybe change the world But I didn't record that yet. Maybe the next time I record it but I'm not gonna get into it now Because I get too angry and you won't like me when I'm angry. So I wanted to Instead of all of that. I wanted to talk about about music there's this, there's a song that uh, I'm, I'll work to it, but it kind of, when I get to it, you'll see what where I'm talking about, but basically, I never liked it, and I'm starting, I'm trying to appreciate it. You know the songs that are super popular, and everyone likes it, and you just want to die inside? and you think you're better than everyone else because you know that it's shit and what's wrong with everyone else. Well, I, I, I was trying to, for the last few days, figure out what it was about this song. And I want to explore the idea of the vibe. The, the song that's, that takes you to another place that is not particularly brilliant is not Chopin or Mozart it's not the greatest poetry it's not about any one thing it's just the whole everything about it takes you to a place and so i'm going to i'm going to cover some songs the last song the 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 song i'm going to try and dig into and find respect for It it was released in 89, it came out in 90, 1990, sorry, it came out in 89, but it didn't get, like, famous until the 90s, and the other two songs I'm gonna talk about were in the 90s, and who knows, maybe I'll make up some other songs to go looking for in the the vibe as I go, but, so these are 90s-defining songs that that have a vibe. So the first one I want to explore is this uh, little uh, little herd of band called Rage Against the Machine. They have the this was the first song that put them on the map. It's called Killing in the Name. got a little little clever intro-y things. And there's not much going on. If I played this guitar riff for you, if you could see what this guitar riff looked like on guitar, you'd be like, that doesn't look that hard. And you're right, it's not that hard. There's nothing about this song that's that's all that hard but it takes you to a place
1: Some of those that work forces are the same so Some of those and part of what I mean forces. for the vibe
0: so this is a fuck you song let me go over the words the song is let's see how long this song is it's over five minutes long And I I call Rage Against the Machine, I call their songs like Angry Nursery Rhymes, because they're lyrically super simple, super repetitive. I think this song has four sentences in it. Let's see if I got the lyrics up. Some of those that work forces are the same that burn crosses. Say that eight times. Killing in the name of, say that a few times. No, you do what they told you. Say that 72 times. Those who died are justified for wearing the badge, they're the chosen whites. Say that 8 times. Then say the first line 16 times. Uh, then say the, now they do what they told you again, 14 times. Uh, those who died are justified, say that again 18 times uh, yeah, come on, uh, and fuck you, I won't do what you tell me, uh, 23 times. So let's count that up. One, two, three, four, five. There's five sentences in this song. Each of them are said at least 20 times, so he didn't... He didn't. Uh, I mean, it's clearly about the repetition. It's about the vibe, uh, and it was easy for me to give the song a pass because it had high energy. And so this song never particularly bothered me. I I never bought a Rage Against the Machine album. It didn't. It didn't move me. But if you wanna, if you wanna fuck you, I won't do what you told me. Let's see. Let's see. I'm trying to get to the, uh, the chaotic breakdown. The guitar solo's neat, because it's not traditional in any way. Oh, I wonder if the music video's gonna even... Yeah, because it... Oh my god, they cut out? Let's see if they got the uh, the whole, Fuck you, they won't do what you told me. Oh, it is, it does. So I kind of let that go. So you can see, you know, it's about the vibe. It's about the energy. It's like dance music. Um, I guess you could dance to that, but it, it's about... It. I guess it's more than, like, a song they'd play at the club about wet-ass pussy. Because this song, I mean, he didn't put a lot of time into writing the lyrics, but he felt that. And... I guess I don't want to say that whoever wrote wet ass pussy didn't feel that lyric in their soul, but I kind of doubt it at least the, the way this is, but this is so this is uh, it's my first example of a vibe. And this is a vibe that uh, again, got an easy pass in my life because it was high energy and had distorted guitar and that, Chaotic Breakdown was a lot of fun. There's another song I want to go to. This is a song by the band Tool. This is their first song that put them on the map. a, a interesting, useless uh, piece of fiction. Or, not fiction. Uh, tidbit, factoid, that doesn't matter at all. But the guitar player for Tool and the guitar player for Rage Against the Machine... Uh, are from the same state, maybe city. They went to school together, I think college. I'm not sure. They certainly knew each other before they were famous, and so there's that. Tool's actually interesting. The, the guitar player used to work for Stan Winston's company. He's the one who does special effects so there's like pictures of the guitar player for Tool making like the Dilophosaurus things from Jurassic Park. There's uh, there's all this cool stuff that that he did before. He, he had to he had to choose uh, whether to uh, let the music go, go with the music or stay with that. So quitting quitting making movies to be in a band is pretty fucking cool. So I'm kind of jealous of that. Now that that has anything to do with the vibe, though, so I'm gonna play Tool's first song, and there's lots of energy. Uh, I this one I did like immediately, but this one kind of it's very repetitive, but it's it's about the vibe. It's about where it takes you. It's called Sober. I'm sure you've heard it. And if you haven't heard it then your parents are lame. I'm going to rewind it and then not talk over that drum intro cuz that's how I knew this band was legit. Now I'm going to rewind it again and give you a little more a little more of that a little more lead into that Yes. So I'm not going to get into a lot of music theory, but with the bass players playing, those are all D notes. His finger are on the strings, and the strings are tuned in a certain way so that all he's playing are Ds. And that's all he's playing and the guitars kind of going up and down around that dead simple maybe if we leave the, the the guitar solo stuff out some of the noodle stuff out like I could show you how to play this on bass. This would be a perfect first song for someone who'd never touched the bass before. But it's all about the vibe. It kind of... All around those two notes. This is D is that e is it going up a whole step i didn't pick up my guitar i haven't tried to learn it so the bass just holding that down and then the guitar just doing notes and just pulling in the vibe so the lyrics to this one are actually pretty it's not five sentences repeated for five minutes it is (sighs) Maynard who's a singer and lyricist for Tool he's got a lot of religious issues I believe the story with his mother is that she she was very religious and was very sick and trusted on God to help her heel and she didn't get medical attention and there's there's a song called or there's a their album called 10,000 days which is about I forget how many years 10,000 days is but it's how long she lived afflicted with whatever medical thing she had waiting for God to heal her and God never healed her, and he had to watch that, and so he he comes back to religion a lot. There's a, a song in another band he's in called A Perfect Circle called Judith, which is his mother's name, and that song's very directly about his anger and condemnation for her... Uh. Putting up with years of misery, waiting for God to save her. So he's got a lot of anger that he's letting out towards religion. And fair enough, I've never, I've never watched someone waste away over ten thousand days. Let me do the, let me do the math on that. How? Let's ask Google. How many years? is 10,000 days. 27 years, fuck. So, there you have it. Sorry, 27.39. So, yeah, I'd, I'd be... I'd be... I'd be angsty at that. Uh, the singer for Metallica had a, a very similar kind of story, where his his mom also was ill, he wasn't allowed, the singer like wasn't allowed to, he, he wanted to play football, and he needed a doctor's note to play football in high school, and his family wouldn't let him go to the doctors, because they were faith healers, and his mother got ill, and didn't get treatment, and died, and so there's a lot of famous bands who, whoever the driving force is behind the band, uh, had to put up with a lot of shit. Either that or they're from a small town. Like, I think everyone from Motley Crue is from Pacoima-ass-fuck-Idaho. Um, or some city like that. And uh, all you do is sit in the garage and play your instrument and dream of getting out of town someday. Like, I wonder, like like my kids who have... Limitless options for quality entertainment. And I come from... Let's just say I come from a place that did not have limitless options for quality entertainment when I was in high school. And so I spent my high school years in the garage playing drums. And... Desperate to become a rock star and get the hell out of there. And... My children, they do not have that. They're 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 in the arts. They, I'm sure, they dream of being on Broadway and performing on stage and stuff. So they they definitely. I don't want to say if you have lots of stuff going on, then you just have lots of fun and you're a fuck up. But oh, what am I saying? Uh. Usually, to become famous as a musician, something something's gotta break you. and maybe five four, if you're in a five person band, four of the people in the band were just uh, desperately bored and played their instruments through high school. and whoever the driving force of the band is had some horrific trauma that fucked them up and they're trying to put the pieces together through their art and you get those people in a room together and that's where the magic comes from. So it doesn't happen that way a hundred percent of the time, but there's a, I think if you look at the most famous and I'm talking like rock stars and stuff like, I don't, I doubt that Taylor Swift, uh, watched, you know, her mom slowly die from some disease that she didn't get treated and, you know, lived life uh, powerless and questioning why and all of that. I heard... Who is it? Who's who's that lady who sings that song? Uh, Bill, Billie Eilish. She, like, her parents are in the music industry, and so they knew people. And, you know, there's this so many people who've got enough talent and to the right, right. I'm not saying she's a bad songwriter at all. And I know her brother does the music and then she does the, the, the lyrics and the melodies and shit. And together they, they're good enough. They're not, you know, are they better than the 10,000 other musicians that didn't become famous? Uh, that year, you know, not really. It was it was who they knew. So there's this, there's some bands that are a force of nature and then there's some bands that are lucky. I'm looking at you Limp Biscuit. <sighs> I don't know anything about Limp Biscuit. I kind of doubt that uh, Fred Durst uh, watched his mom slowly die from a a a uh, an illness that she could have gotten treated but uh, she believed that God didn't want her to treat her illness anyway that's kind of what the lyrics to sober is about and we're back to the to the vibe
1: I'm just a liar. I'm just an
0: imbecile. I, I gotta sneeze I'd like to think that tool always wanted to sneeze in here somewhere here we go shit Okay. That's a little... Little foundation, so you see see where I'm going for with the vibe. It's not... The song... It... It'd be interesting writing that song. Because if I was the, like, the bass player... For... For Tool. Should I go get the acoustic guitar? Let me go get the acoustic guitar. I'm going to play this song. Um, I'm going to play this song while I go get the acoustic guitar, because I want to make a point, and it's a damn fine point. Is. <sighs> oh yeah, it's still playing. Get my pick. Get my headphones back on. Oh yeah, you guys can hear me. I, that sound can't be uh overstated how important that was to to the nineties this sound this guitar squeal squelch I don't know what that is all right let me let me make my point. so the song's in drop d, so I have to if you don't know. If you don't play guitar, you don't know what drop D is. You can listen to it and guess what I'm doing. All right. So, this is a D, you skip a string, and this is a D. And then in the middle, you go on the 5th fret, and that's a D. And then you skip a string, and you go on the 7th fret, and so those are all Ds. And so I'm about to play four strings, and they're all Ds. All right, I'll move the mic a little closer. So my point is, at some point, the bass player's in the room with people, and he says, hey, I've got an idea for a song. How about this? And this does that for, I I don't want to act like he doesn't play a different note. He eventually does play. um, There's a, there's at least three other notes that eventually get played. But at at some point while they were writing songs, it's just like, okay, well, bass player, you just keep doing this. And then they built around that. Just enough to be brilliant. But I guess where I'm going with this is I've not tried to write a song this way where I I take one idea and I add just enough to <clears throat> make it interesting, to set a mood, to not make riffs and hooks. Um, Not that that song doesn't have riffs or hooks, but somehow it's gotta be so hard to take something so goddamn straightforward and pepper it up just enough. Uh, So that's That's that song. So I'm about to jump into the song I've been talking about, but first I want to ask a question. If you see a faded sign at the side of the road that says 15 miles to the love shack... Yes, it's Love Shack. I would say it starts with a question. But it doesn't start with a question. It starts with half of a question. If you see a faded sign at the side of the road that says 15 miles to the Love Shack, the first word is if... But it doesn't. It doesn't like what? Like have, have you even like have you heard this song? Have you even thought about the fucking lyrics to this song? It starts with a half of a question, like who would do that? Who did he write a? Did he write a whole question? And they cut it out for time. If you see a sign that says 15 miles to the Love Shack And that's the intro! Like, fuck! But it's... That's not what the song's about. The song's not about <laughs> making sense. <sighs> signs come up. There's several signs. The Love Shack's all about signs. There's a sign that says, Stay away, fools, cause love rules at the Love Shack. And there's apparently a faded sign by the side of the road 15 miles away, letting people. Does it let people know? I guess it just lets them know how close they are. I don't know. Let's, let's see. I'm down the it's down the Atlanta Highway. this this band is the one that taught me you don't have to sing i'm not sure what what the the guy singer in this band brings i i i need to study him some more i can't i know he brings something i know they wouldn't be who they were or who they are without him He's not a great singer. There's something about his I don't give a fuck. I'm here to have fun. And the vibe of this song. Like, okay, so the Love Shack's a place. Well, hold on. Let, they tell you what the Love Shack is. The, the, the chorus of the song tells you what the Love Shack is. You know what the Love Shack is? Hey, I'm going read I'm gonna read it here you go the love Shack is a little old place where we can get together love Shack baby a love Shack baby love Shack baby love shack love shack baby love Shack love shack baby love Shack, baby, love, shack love shack baby love Shack that's the chorus <sighs> and you can see why I've been frustrated but I've not been I've been in the wrong frame of mind since 1990 this album came out in 89 there is a song on this on this album that I like there's one B-52 song that I like and I think only one of the three people there's a guy and two gals who sing and there's one song by the B-52s that I like, and I think it's just one of the, the ladies who sing it, and that guy doesn't sing at all. And he doesn't bring his whatever he brings, whatever chutzpah he's bringing to Love Shack, he doesn't bring. Let me play a little bit of the song that I actually like by the B-52s. So you can see... This song's about more than just the vibe. This is a song called Rome. Maybe. Rome lyrics. Uh, uh, mm-hmm. Let's try. YouTube, don't let me down. Here we go. YouTube is letting me down. YouTube. B 52's Rome. And go. Oh, that's two people singing. Robe TO! I'm watching the music video. I'll let you know if I see Fred. That's the name of the singer guy. There he is. I see him. But he's not he's not saying anything. That's the key. That's why I like this song. Yeah, he's just dancing around like a turd. he's just sitting there like a goofball perfect it's the perfect use for him this is the other singer lady singing i can tell that because i'm watching the music video and you can see which one's singing All right, so if I was to compare these two songs by the same band on the same album, one song's like 10 times more popular. Love Shack, Love Shack, like, define that band. And I know they got lots of other shit, like Rock Lobster and other, and other shit, but that song, Love Shack, is... Their biggest thing ever and they have other catchy songs that Nick likes Nick being me, but this song Like well, sorry Rome Rome doesn't have any of that. It's it's not a vibe song. It's just a song. It's a good song So Love Shack So it's it's like the song's next level. If I tried to write this, I wouldn't have the sincerity. I I wouldn't let myself write a song like this. And I don't see that as uh as a good thing. That's that's the part that maybe I had to I had to have this song in my life for 89. Hello, let's go let's go for 90. Let's call that 33 years. This song's 33 34 years old. And only now am I kind of seeing that uh, me shitting on this song uh, was was limiting to me. What does Tin Roof Rusted... Oh, well, let's see what Tin Roof Rusted means. What does Tin Roof Rusted mean? Is this clickbait? The song is about a ramshackle old house in the woods where people go to party and have fun. Yeah, well, fucking thanks. That's a fucking... Wow. Okay. This seems like clickbait. The song lyrics are full of double entendres and sexual innuendo. Oh! Oh! oh I'm going to have to go back and look at the... Look for evidence of that. Tin oh. Roof Rusted is interpreted by some to mean pregnant, usually with an unintended baby. <laughs> Interpreted by some. Perfect. Perfect. Call CNN. That's the kind of story they'd run with. Uh, sources. Sources say tin roof rusted might mean pregnant with an unintended baby. Usually. Ah, I'm gonna let's Google that. Well, The song reached number 3 on the Billboard Hot 100 chart in the United States. <sighs> That's not great fucking oh, trivia.
1: Love love yeah.
0: Subscribe to get more 80s music trivia. All right, let's Google that. What does Google? Do you guys you guys know what 10 Roof Rusted is right from the song? I can I can skip to that cuz it's very prominent. Yeah, I think it's after the the bass solo. Bang, 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 on, the door, bang on the door, baby. A show, door. Knock a Is that sexual innuendo? Bang bang, bang, on the door, baby. bang bang. Maybe they just mean bang bang. On the door, on the door kind of makes it un-innuendo, though. All right, so when he says, you're what, and then she says, tin roof rusted, um, yeah, I mean, let's, let's go see what other sources say. What does tin, see, all I got to do is type in, what does tin, and Google knows what I want to wanna, wanna know. Tin roof rusted meaning, pulp culture dictionary. Tin Roof Rusted is interpreted by some to mean pregnant, usually with an unintended baby. Great, great. Now I know where that trivia clip got that. I'll see the B-52s talk about it. Now let's see what they had to say, because I trust them more than sources. Blah, 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 blah. Blah, blah, blah. Let me search for tin. Tin. And the origin of tin. One of the most recognizable and mysterious lyrics is music's Tin Roof Rusted. (sighs) It was just part of a description of the vision in my head of what the Love Shack looked like. There's a place outside of Athens, Georgia that closed. It was an old building with a metal roof that had aged and was rusted. I was using that image when we were jamming. All of a sudden, we're singing to the tape, and it ran out. I just kept going because I was so into it and said Tin Roof Rusted. And they thought it was funny and a good way to end it. It was just a vision in my head of my love shack. There, you see? So that's why I don't trust sources. I don't trust what some people say. Tin Roof Rusted is just part of the vibe. They were thinking about an old building in the middle of a field, just a funky old shack. So let's look at let's look for uh, for innuendo in here. Heading down the Atlanta highway, looking for that love getaway. Heading for that love getaway, love getaway. Got me a car; it's as big as a whale. It's a Chrysler. It seats about twenty. Uh, stay away, fools. So they got rules. There's rules at the at the Love Shack. Uh, you're not allowed to go there if you're a fool. Glitter on the mattress. Glitter on the highway. Glitter on the front porch. Glitter on the hallway. Hmm. I wonder what sources say glitter in the hallway means. A little old place where we can get together. Hugging and a-kissing, dancing and a-loving. Wearing next to nothing, because it's hot as an oven. Yeah, see, it's not... It's not... There's no double meaning to this. It's just a fun... song. I, I, I got it! I figured it out. I figured out how to write a song like this. You have to smoke a lot of pot, or some kind of mind-altering substance and tap into some visual something, and everyone's got to do it, and basically the music's got to come first. And then you... You, you 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 smoke your your reefer, Jay, and then you let the music take you somewhere in your mind, and then you just write the first thing that comes to your mind. Once you give yourself permission to not be, it's not it's not about not being artistic, because I can't call it not artistic, but. You're giving yourself permission to be not saying something. It's the, this song, I'm just realizing this now. This, Sober and this song are the polar opposites of each other because they're definitely saying something with Sober. It is a vibe that, and Sober being the Tool song the previous song to this. There is a vibe and the lyricist took that vibe somewhere and he was goddamn sure gonna make a point and make the journey uh, worth it by is clever the right word? Intentional? I'm trying to think of what the right word is, but he's he's he I'm sure he spent a week writing those lyrics or whatever it is. And I feel like Love Shack was probably written in five minutes. Well, they ran out of tape, apparently. But that was probably while they were writing the 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 music. I don't know, but it they they weren't precious. Let's say that they weren't precious with the words. They didn't- they didn't go back- They didn't go back and say, Hey Fred, that sounds like half a question on the first line. Uh, what the fuck does that mean? So... So, what have we learned about the vibe? We've learned- you- you- you can say something, or not say something. You can just... invoke... a memory. And I guess everyone, maybe, maybe, maybe this song doesn't mean anything to me because I've never been to a love shack as described in this. I've never been to an abandoned house with a bunch of other, uh, you know, as a young kid with a bunch of other young kids where we're just uh, hugging and a kiss and dancing and a loving and dancing and playing the jukebox with our jukebox money. Um, so maybe maybe you gotta tap into something that people have experienced although I can under I can appreciate how fun that would be. I don't know that I'd go dancing if there was a shack in the orchard where I grew up. I'm sure the the religious people who ran that small town I'm from, would have shut it down because dancing, dancing is not okay. The uh, there's a, a joke uh, us Baptists, us non-denominational Baptists used to say is uh, uh, why don't Baptists have sex? Because it leads to dancing. Um, can I tell you? Can I tell you what that means? You you get it, even if you're not a Baptist. <laughs> Ah, shit. But my parents would remind me that I'm Catholic. Always going to be Catholic. So, uh, Catholics don't dance either, I don't think. I don't know. I saw The Godfather. There's a lot of dancing in The Godfather, and I assume they're all Catholics because they're all Italian. All right. Have I gotten enough, uh, have I met my, met my stereotype, uh, quota? I don't know, no one can give shit to me for for me suggesting that uh, a lot of Italians from Italy are Catholic. I can't get shit for that, right? That's not a stereotype. That's just facts. I'm just spitting facts. All right. I was thinking about trying to write a song like this. Trying to take a vibe. And give myself permission to... not not be clever I I was thinking about like um like Porn Shack, that'd be fun I can update this song for the 2020s you know, heading out to the the internet highway but that's just uh, that would turn into a parody Maybe, have you guys seen 8mm? That'd be a vibe. Oh boy. If you haven't seen 8mm, you should go watch that one. That one's about the, the ugly side of the porn industry. And how uh, everyone who makes porn for a living is a murdering Psychopath. I could write a song with that. That would have a vibe, huh? (laughs) (sighs) Okay, I'm gonna start with that. Okay. What's my... what's my vibe? What's my... what's my vibe? Let's see. I like... so this chord, I do this chord a lot. In my music. So I wonder if I should do that in this song. Or if I should not do that. Maybe I'll just... Yeah, 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 okay, yeah, okay, yeah. I'm still in drop D tuning. Let's see what happens if I do the, the chords I usually do in drop D. Okay, here we go. Oh! And then I, I can hit the D and how, let's see how this sounds. I probably should pull this finger back and get, get this. Oh, yeah! Uh huh, uh huh. You guys ever write a song? Happy little accidents. There's no wrong notes, like here, let me play a wrong note. <gasps> That's the wrong note, but it's so right. Yeah, oh yeah. And then just singing about snuff. Snuff, snuffs. Nope, oh, it's not this. It's oh talk about the wrong note. That's the wrong note. That's it, but it's just the seventh. You know what the seventh, you know about the tritone, right? The the ugliest interval. But if you play it in context of a song, it could just be the seventh, which is pushing up to the that note, which is Oh how, how about this? Okay. I think I'm on into something. Nope, that doesn't go there. How about here? <laughs> nope. Because that was major stuff and it's a minor key. So, like this. So maybe that's my homework assignment for the next podcast, is to come come with my vibe song. I just watched... That's interesting. I just watched a, a video on why 2023 is the worst decade to try and make money as a musician. Because... No one's paying for lessons, because everyone's getting free lessons on YouTube. And no one's buying albums, because no one's buying albums. And the top 1% of musicians make uh, 99% of the money. I like the way... Or was it 90%? The top 1% of musicians make 90... The, The way he described it made, you know, visually made a lot of sense. He's saying let's say you've got a a neighborhood house party, and you've got 100 people coming over for the neighborhood, and you've got 100 cupcakes. So everyone gets one cupcake. And then one person comes over, and he takes 90 cupcakes, and he leaves with 90 cupcakes. And the other 99 people get to share the other 10 cupcakes that are left. That's, that's what making music's about this year. So, and last year and the year before, I just, I just got a check for my music sales for the last several years. When I put, I put my album out, I put my album out, it's funny, because I, I, when I was putting my album out, I realized Tool was putting an album out around the same time, so I released my album the same time that Tool released their last album, so... Whatever Tool's last album is... Whatever that release date was, that's my album's release date. So it was a few years ago. And... I've done some other things, like like my, uh, my Hobo D, my ukulele cover, Stuff so, between all my albums I got online, I just got a check for around five hundred dollars for the last several years. So I don't know what that adds up to. Most of those sales were made within a month of the album came up, coming out. So, uh, let's call it a hundred dollars a year. Let's call that eight something a month. Um. But, again, it was all of that, with 90% of that was the first year it came out, so I don't want to make it sound like I was making $8 a month. Because there's no way in hell I made $8 last month in sales. I'm sure I made three cents in streaming. So... This my long way of saying I've not been terribly motivated to pick up the guitar and write anymore, because... Why the fuck bother? It's uh, not something anyone's into, and I'm not complaining. I'm not like, I'm not even going to tell you where to go find my music because I'm not trying to make this about reviving. This uh, this podcast is not my <laughs> attempt to revive my music career. I'm just, you know, sharing my thoughts for free. But maybe I need an excuse to write songs again. Maybe this excuse, maybe my next podcast, I should have my, my vibe song about snuff films. You know what snuff films are? Snuff films are... Uh, porn films where someone gets murdered on screen, probably in a sex-related thing. Which is the porn part. So, maybe that, so your homework is to go find some good snuff films. Uh, go, go Google that. Google, uh, download snuff film. And let me know how that works out for you. And don't tell them, don't tell them I, I told you to do that. And I will, I will work on my, on my snuff song. What chords are those? There's so many times when I, I find uh, that I've, I've made something really cool and then I break down what I did and it's, the base of it is this like. Songwriting 101, and I'm like, shit! But I guess if I didn't know it was songwriting 101 simple Then then I've tricked my own ear and if I can trick my own ear then I've added my own spin to simple songwriting, so that's a A And that's an F to, or F sharp to a D so it's a 5, 3, 1 so yeah, no one's gonna no one's gonna go holy shit, that's the that's the genius progression uh oh god, wow wow, whoever thought of that but you add enough uh, pepper in there Like this. And not this. Oh, damn it! I hit it wrong, but that's good, too. That's how, how Eddie Van Halen wrote. Is He, he learned lots of theory, because he's a classically trained pianist. And I don't think he had any guitar lessons, and so he took his understanding of music and picked up a guitar and learned the notes and then invented his own way of playing it instead of being taught the right way to play it. And so I think that's, it's kind of the path I've taken, not, not anything at all the same results as Eddie Van Halen, but I've taken music theory, but not had any guitar lessons. And so I can apply my theory with happy little accidents on the guitar. And, like, I know, like, this... chord would be goofy. So I can see the pattern in my head. So that's it. So that's... that's my assignment. And maybe your assignment is to write... Write a... pick... pick something to vibe on. Something that... you can be authentic and just... Give yourself permission to not be earth shatter, earth shatteringly brilliant and let the emotions don't, don't hide, don't hide the emotional integrity with art. That's it. That's it. We got there. I knew we'd we'd get there. Maybe you don't even need drugs for that. Maybe I was wrong about needing drugs. It's the how do you get to the? You you take an idea and you build on that idea without letting your ego warp it. Okay shit that was more brilliant than I thought it'd be when I started this podcast go fuck yourself